All right. You guys ready for today? I'm excited. It's good to be back. Um, my wife, if you haven't noticed, isn't here. She's in uh, Pentwater doing her thing today, being artsy-fartsy and craftsy-wafsy, whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, she was up till late last night working on more stuff. So she said she loves you guys. She's uh, enjoying a day off, kind of, kind of not. So um, I started to think about something I had heard about four weeks ago, and, and that's when I started really working a lot. So it gave me some time to really think about it. And, you know, I, we, we've been talking about, Sarah's been talking about supernatural living. And supernatural living, the first key to supernatural living is what? Faith. We, can, we cannot live a supernatural life without faith. Um, we are supernatural as created, but in order for us to live supernaturally, it has to be through faith because everything that comes from God is through faith. The way we please God is through faith. The way we access God is through faith. So faith is how we access him and how God has given us the ability to communicate with him. Because we can talk to him, but we, even when we, we're not in our crouching position in the prayer closet, folding our hands, closing our eyes, you know, against the bed, praying like the little kids in the, in the, the little storybooks we see, we're driving down the road, we're talking to God. That is through faith because it takes a belief that God is listening to us. We have to have faith to know that God is, to really trust that God is listening to us because you know, I, I was really doing some research and, and, and looking at different, I was reading some books and, uh, or not books, I shouldn't say, articles that I had read and, and watched a couple different documentaries on the different religions and their different gods. And every different religion has a god for this. And not all of them do, but a lot of, they have a god for this and a god for that. And, and the Egyptians have like, who, I can't even remember how many gods they have, but they have a God for everything. It's like, oh, God of this, I need to pray to this, and God of this, I need to pray to this God. And I'm like, I would get sick and tired of this. I'd be so, I'm like, ah, oh, I get my, out my, like, my little flashcard chart. Okay, which, I'm dealing with this. Do I got to go, oh, I got to go to this temple, and then I got to pray to this God and ask him for this. And then if I'm dealing with this, I got to go to this God, and I got to pray to this God for that. And it's like, okay, I need health, I need wealth, I need peace, I need joy. I'm like, that's four trips, four gods, four wastes of time to me. And I can't imagine living life that way where I have to go to pray to different gods for different things and they're all under the same umbrella. That's crap to me. In my opinion, I want to be able to go and the way I love it is I can go to one God who covers everything I need and he knows me and he loves me and he provides for me. So I can go to him and say, you know what, God, I need this. And I don't have to, you know, well, this time when I have to ask for God for health, I have to sit down. And when I need um, provision in my finances, I need to kneel. And it, it doesn't work that way. God says, you know what? You access me anyway. If you're driving in your car, you're running down the road, you're bicycling, you're sitting in, at your dining room table, you access me anyway. And that's by faith. Faith is how we come to God and just say, you know what? I can't see you, but I trust that you're there. Faith is seeing, is believing something that we cannot see. So instantly to be able to pray to God, and to believe that he's listening, it takes faith, a mustard seed, just a, little bit of a, just a little bit of faith to believe. It took a lot of faith in our lives to become born again because it's, we're living life and it's like we may have lived like hell, we may have lived a pretty decent life, but it takes faith, pretty powerful faith, 
to submit our lives over to somebody who we can't see. Faith is submitting to God and saying, God, I don't see you, but I see your evidence of you in my life. I see you in the, in the evidence of people around me. I see your goodness in, in the people around me. I see your goodness in, in this earth. Even though we have a messed up world sometimes, I see your goodness there. That's faith to say, you know what? I'm going to give all of my stuff to you. I'm going to trust in you and give it all to you. So, when we access God through faith, we need to go boldly. You know, I was, uh, I was thinking about this. And when, when our kids want something from us do they like take out a form type it up do a uh, you know a submission form and then submit it to a, a file box and then you know a week later go hey did you get that form for dinner i needed i want really wanted no they go and say hey mom dad i need food mom dad i need shoes i just bought my daughter a ungodless amount of money shoes yesterday and i was like oh my gosh i'm like like, Lord, do you really want me to spend this? And my, the smile on my daughter's face said yes. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and I'm like, like, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm like handing the card to that person. I'm just like, no, please, no. Do I have to spend this much money? And my daughter's like, these are my favorite shoes. I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay. I'm like, Lord, you got to take care of this one. Because I, you know, I'm like, this is crazy. I don't want to spend this amount of money. I mean, I'm not saying it's a crazy amount of money, but I'm cheap. If my daughter could get away with $35 tennis shoes, I'd give her $35 tennis shoes, but she can't. And then she's got this whole, I like this certain brand in her head now too. So got to love teenagers. Um, peer pressure. Anyway, um, so we need to go boldly to them. My daughter didn't say, oh, um, by the way, I filled out a form that my shoes are hurting me. And um, I submitted it to you. So when you get time to review it and go through the processes of checking it out, would, would you let me know? She goes up to me and goes, Dad, these shoes suck. <laughs> these shoes suck and I need new shoes. And I'm like, maybe it's just your feet. So, we, okay, wear them a little bit. And we, tr- we tried it out. Nope, they still hurt. So I, I said, okay. <laughs> Excited. Um, so I said, okay, let's, let's go and buy the, let's go to shoes. So I had to run to Big Rapids yesterday. So we go through all the shoe stores and we, we do the try them on. And we t- you know, walk around in them and, and she finally finds the pair that she really likes and are really comfortable. And the whole time her sister who has almost the same size feet is wearing those shoes. And she's like, these really do suck. These are, these are really uncomfortable. And I'm like, okay. So it wasn't just my daughter. It was, you know, it's the shoes. So she gets the shoes and she's like, these are the best shoes I've ever had. I'm happy with them. And that brought me joy that I could give that to my daughter that, first of all, her feet weren't hurting because that's, that's a plus right there. I don't want my kid's feet to hurt. And then she liked them. You ever had that? I remember as a kid, my parents would just buy me shoes. And you're like, really? These? I, I, you know, like, I wanted these and you got me these. And I'm like, ah, oh. and it's like, I wanted blue and you got me red, you know. Um, but it, it made me start to think about how God is. God is is not that person that says, well, you need to submit a form and as soon as I run it by Jesus and the Holy Spirit, then we can approve it and put our stamp on it and then we can give it to you. You just go to him and say, my feet hurt. My wallet's hurting right now, God. My back hurts. My family hurts right now. And we can say to God, we can go boldly to him and just stand right in front of him and say, this is what I need. This is what I'm struggling with. And this, I need something, God. I need it from you. So we can go boldly to him and stand in front of God and say, 
God, you're the creator. You're the master of everything. You can provide everything I need. I need this from you. It takes faith. Sometimes we, we, we go to God and we say, oh God, you know, how, you know, when you get around to it, you know. You ever seen a kid when they want something and they know they're never going to get it and they kind of just do this and they kind of never look at you in the eye and they're, well, you know, my friend has this and I really want it. And, and you're like, look at me. Look at me. What do you need? I want this. And it's funny because our kids come to us and they want something and mo- most likely, you know, 95% of the time we're going to get it for them. And there's that 1% chance that they want like a Ferrari or something and you're like, nope, sorry, you get a Pinto. Um, but, you know, we get in that mindset, of, well, you know, God, I want this. And, you know, we kind of hem-haw and we, you know, you know what do you want? What, well, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. What was I want, I want that. God's like, look at me. Look me in the eye and say, what do you want? Tell me what you want. Tell me what you need. And Philippians 4.6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We need to go boldly before the throne of God and say, Hey, hi, you remember me? I'm your favorite. I need this. My family's struggling right now. You know what I need. And we go to him and we request that of God. I don't remember who it was. Um, Some preacher said, God's got a table sitting before him. And as as his children, he says, come, pick off the table what you need. Everything is there for you. And he says, come to the table and sit at the table and eat of it. And I believe that's how God is. He's like, get in my refrigerator. Grab what you need out of it. Grab out of, get out of my cupboards. Grab out of my garage. Grab that stuff out of my house that you have. And it says, you know, we're supposed to bring heaven to earth. It says, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And when we pray that, that prayer of faith, what it is is this, is we're grabbing something off of God's table in front of him and saying, God, I need this. And, we, and it, faith draws it into the, from the supernatural into the natural so it can provide what we lack. God does not want us to have lack in our life. God wants us to have faith and total trust that he will provide for it. There's times where we may have lack in our life, but it's not that we're wrong. It's not that we're bad. It's just that, you know what? Sometimes we have to tune our faith in a little bit stronger. Sometimes we have to tweak how we respond to God. Sometimes we have to tweak how we ask God for it. You know, we don't stand in front of him and stomp our feet and go, give it to me now. I want it now. And then God's like, okay. You know, when, when our kids throw a fit, you ever been in that mindset uh, and you're sitting there and your kids are throw, kind of throwing that fit and you're just like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to not try to smile. Not smile. You know, you're trying not to smile when your kids are throwing a fit and you're just like, oh my gosh, that's, you know, my wife and I have done it a couple times. We'll be sitting in there and, you know, our kids are like arguing with each other or throwing a fit and it's like, my wife's trying not to laugh and I'm trying not, I'm trying to keep a straight face, but she's trying not to laugh and I'm starting to laugh and it's like, God doesn't want us to come that way. God wants us to come as a child and say, Dad, I need you. I need this from you. It says, don't be anxious, but it says by prayer and petition. Petition, what does that mean? It means to go to. That means to say, hey, by the way, you guys remember the story of the persistent widow? She petitioned a few times. 
in a very persistent way. She kept petitioning and petitioning and petitioning until she got what she wanted. There's a story in Esther, and I don't know if you guys know the book of Esther very well, but Esther is basically taken in as queen. And her uncle, because she is Jewish, they don't know she's Jewish, but her uncle is Jewish. And Haman goes to kill the Jewish people. And what does she do? And I'm going to read this to you. I I think this is really cool. This is in Esther 8, verses 3 through 6. It says, Esther again pleaded with the king, falling at his feet and weeping. She begged him to put an end to the evil plan of Haman, which he had devised against the Jews. Then the king extended a gold scepter to Esther, and she arose and stood before him. This is really cool. She goes and she weeps before the king, and then he extends the scepter to her and says, okay, now you can speak. She had special privilege with the king because she was queen. The rule was you were not supposed to enter in before the king unless he had called for you or you had an appointment. So she basically burst into the, door, the, the main throne room and says, okay, hey, she weeps at the, the foot because she knows that she's going to gain acceptance from him. She knows that she's either going to gain acceptance from him or he's going to be like, you're gone. Um, if you ever watched the VeggieTales version of Esther, not exactly historically correct, but very close. Um, verse 5 says, if it pleases the king, she said, and if he regards me with favor and thinks it the right thing to do, and if he is pleased by me, let the order be written overhauling the dispatches that Haman, the son of Hamedath, the Agite, devised and wrote to destroy the Jews and all the king's provinces. For how can I bear to see disaster fall upon my people? How can I bear to see destruction of my family? So she goes in boldly. She, I mean, it takes some guts to go in to somebody who could have you executed immediately. He could be like, you know what? Nope, uh... Not really in the mood to talk to you right now, and I'm hanging out with my buddies, and you're gone. I mean, he got rid of his, the other queen pretty quick the other way, too. So the guy's not exactly very tolerant. He's probably a little edgy and probably uh, flies off the handle every now and then and kills people. But she goes to him and basically steps into the door without even asking. She walks into the door because the servants can't stop her. She's the queen. She can just say, get out of my way. She walks in and falls before him, and she says, if you would listen to me. And he listens to her and she, he hears what she has to say and he stops what Haman is doing to the Jews. So Philippians says, with petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. We talked about this um, my wife and I have been talking about this, um, and it was kind of mentioned at our um, Wednesday night's um, expectancy. Somebody had, had, had talked about this. A prayer of faith is one that is fully expectant to receive what they've asked for. When you're born again, you pray a prayer of faith, and you expect God, Jesus to come and live in your heart, as the little kids will say, Jesus is living in my heart. And, you know, you pray to Jesus and he comes. And when we pray that prayer of faith to accept Jesus as Lord, we're expecting that he's going to come in and live as Lord in our life. But somehow in our, in our, as we move on past that, we lose expectation of anything else. Like, okay, Jesus is, is Lord of my life and he lives in me. And, and then that's just it. 
But God says, I want you to have faith. I want you to be expectant of me. And I want you to know that when you talk to me, I'm listening to you. And so when we have a prayer of faith, it should be full of expectancy. It should be not just hoping that something's going to show up, not hoping that just something works out in the end. What I hate hearing in, in, in church is, well, it'll all work itself out. Or, you know, hope it works out for you. I, I hate hearing that at church. Because we have a God who wants to work it out for us, who's working it out for us, who is doing something for us. But we just like, well, you know, it's that whole fact, well, I'll pray for you. No, let's pray right now because let's have God work right now instead of when I forget to pray for you at home when after I've eaten dinner and I'm laying on the couch sleeping. No, I do not do that. <laughs> um, you know, we, we have such, you know, we build up people's expectancy that God's going to do something when we say, oh, I'll pray for you. But that's just kind of a Christianese thing of saying, I don't really want to pray for you right now or I'm too busy and I'm just going to move. I'll pray for you. See you later. But God wants us to have expectancy that he's going to do something. So when we have faith and we expect God to do something, what happens? He does something. I said to the people this morning we were setting up, I said, what do we want God to do? What are we expecting God to do today? Are we expecting just the same old that God shows up and, that, and that's it? Or are we expecting something else? Are we expecting people's lives to change? Are we expecting uh, marriages to be good? Are we expecting finances to be good? What are we expecting God to do? What are you expecting the Holy Spirit to move like today? So that prayer of faith should be full of expectancy. When we're praying today, we're expecting God to do amazing things. I expect people when they leave today that God does something in their life. I expect something to change in my heart, in your heart, in everybody's lives. People who aren't even here. God is going to do something that are part of our body that he's going to do something in their lives. So we pray with expectancy, not just hoping, but knowing that when we went to God and made our request known to him, we expect God to come through. We fail as human beings. God doesn't fail. God does not slack off. He doesn't get a list and go, oh, oh I don't really want to do this today. Throws it to somebody else. You do this because I don't really feel like doing it. Humans, we do that. Oh, I'm just, oh, I got to go mow the yard or weed whack or, you know, fix something. I don't feel like doing this today. I'll do it tomorrow. God doesn't do that. God sees and hears what we're talking about and says, okay, I'm going to get right on that. I want to read you this real quick. This is Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. This is, says the high priest who cried out in pain. And now that we know that we have Jesus, the great high priest with ready access to God, let's not slip, excuse me, let it not slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with reality. He's been through weakness and testing and experienced it all, all but sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is ready to give. Take, take the mercy and accept the help. I really like that translation because it puts in perspective that Jesus was in the same boat as we were in a lot of areas. And he had to have faith to talk to his father. He had to have faith to receive from his father. The miracles that Jesus did weren't because he was God. It was because he was human also and had that relationship with the father to be able to do that you know the feeding of the five thousand what was funny is this is jesus blessed it and then he broke it but jesus didn't go and pass it all out 
Jesus gave it to who? His disciples. He gave it to his disciples and said, hey, go feed these people because they're hungry because they're going to be... You ever had a group of hungry kids? They turn into a mob pretty quick. Can you imagine 5,000 men plus their families hungry? Jesus is like, go, give them food quickly. So what's funny is, is this. Jesus blessed the food, but his disciples were handing it out. And it kept getting more and more and more and more. That says to me that the disciples had some faith that what Jesus had blessed would continue to multiply because I believe that if the disciples who had had it in hand weren't in some faith that Jesus and God was going to provide, that basket would have run out pretty quick. They each had a basket of food to hand out. So they had to have faith that God was going to provide because if they didn't, their basket would have been a couple little pieces and it's like, okay. But they trusted in what their master said. They trusted that Jesus was doing something great and they knew they had faith to believe that he was, he was multiplying what was given to them. One translation says, um, in verse 16, it says, Therefore let us with privilege approach the throne of grace, that is the throne of God's gracious favor with confidence and without fear, so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help us in time of need and appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment. So I started to, started to read that and I was thinking, you guys ever had a laundry list of things or a honeydew list of things that needs to get done? <laughs> one person, John's like, yep, I got one of those. So many times we go to God with this laundry list and it's like, okay, let me get my gripes out first and I'm going to complain why life sucks right now and why this is not working out for me or why I, I don't have what I want. And then after we get our gripes out, we go, oh yeah, I was supposed to come with you thankfulness and praise right off the bat. Oh God. Okay, sorry about that. God, you're good. Thank you for providing everything. And then we get into the things that we need because we forget sometimes that we have to come to God with thanksgiving and praise. And... So we, we, oh God, why is this always going on? And people think we're swearing under our breath because we're, we're talking to God and like, God, why is this happening? God, why is this happening? And they're like, man, they're not, they're not having a good day, but we're actually talking to God. Um, but he's trying to remind us to come to him with thanksgiving and praise and be thankful for what he has blessed us with, for what he has done in our lives. But we come to him with this laundry list of God, I need this and I need this. And it, it's just kind of general. You know, we make this list at home like, okay, we need to clean the house. Or we tell our kids, clean the house. Our kids don't understand when we tell them, clean the house, what that means. And all parents said, amen. Um, <laughs> when we tell our kids, clean the house, we have to give them a specific thing to do. Okay, we need you to sweep the floor. My wife will call the kids and say, clean the house. I need you to do this, do this, do this, and then clean the entryway, sweep the kitchen floor, vacuum the rug. She gives them each item broken down and saying, this is what I need you to do because our kids are like, I'm cleaning the house. I wipe the countertop. Oh, house is clean because I haven't looked below my, you know, my eye level. So we break it down for our kids to tell them we need this done. But God is, we go to the God with this laundry list of things and we're like, oh, you know. My wallet hurts, my back hurts, my feet hurt, my head hurts, my, my family hurts. But God is specific. He says, be specific with me. 
talk to me and give me details of what you're dealing with. He knows what we're dealing with, but he wants us to come to him and give him the details. Because he's a detail-oriented person. Look at your hands. My daughter got this 10X uh, little magnifier thing, and I was looking at my fingerprints. And I'm looking at them, and I'm looking at the scars on my hands and stuff like that, and I'm, I'm looking at them like, how detail-oriented is God when you can look at the fingerprints? Debbie knows this exactly what I'm talking about, don't you, Debbie? You look at your son, and you see exactly how detailed God is with every little thing. You see the difference in their... Lana, one foot, all straight toes. Other foot, one little curved toe. She got one toe like me, and the other foot is like her mom's toe. How detail-oriented is God that one, toe, one foot looks like me and one foot looks like her mom's foot? That's detail-oriented. God looks at your, you can look at your fingerprints, you can look at the traces in your hands and your feet, and you see how detail-oriented God is. And he's like, I know you in such detail that I created. I traced every little fingerprint that you have. God designed each one of these. Not the scars, not the... But he's like, I'm going to put a mole right there, and I'm going to put a little birthmark there, and I'm going to do this. God has designed us. You can look at your fingerprints. Look at it under a microscope or look under a magnifying glass sometime. Look at your hands and tell me that God didn't give us good detail and is not detail-oriented. So God says, come to me with the details. Tell me what's going on. He wants to know about the details. He wants to know about every little thing in our life. We know that when we need anything, we don't, have to pray to 500 other gods we don't have to go to other gods and go oh god of blah 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 give me this and you know god of chocolate milk give me this and god of white milk give me this and it's it's you know we don't have two golden calves the one that gives chocolate milk and one that gives white milk we don't have to pray to stupid gods like that we have one god who hears us and will take care of us and he's detail oriented we need to go to God with what we need and go to Him and be specific with Him. We say, God, I need money. God, I need health. Well, God's like, what are you dealing with? He knows what we're dealing with, but He's trying to get us to fall into the the system of the kingdom of God saying, this is what I'm dealing with and this is what I need your your power for. We're like, oh, I just need money. Well, God's like, what do you need money for? My kids, I need money. I'm like, what do you need money for? Well, you know, I was kind of wanted, you know, it's like, no, what do you want money for? My kid's like, well, I wanted to go do this. And I, you know what? I'm, I'm the kind of guy that when I get changed, my kids get it. I'm always giving my kids money. I don't even realize how much money I've probably given them this year, but I, you know, like pocket change. Here's like yesterday, I just, Lana, two quarters, Layla, here's this. You know, I just give them change. You know, Lana, I found $2 in my pocket. I give it to her. That's how God is. He's like, you know what? I love you so much. I'm just going to give you out of, out of everything I have, my overflow. Because God has more than enough, so much more than we can imagine or even think. Then he's just like, hell, here you go. Here's $2. I think I got some money in my pocket right now. Yeah. My kid's probably going to get this or ask me for something from Wesco when I get out of here. But I know that I'm going to give it to her because she's specific. Dad, can we get something to drink? What do you want? Well, I was thinking about this. Okay, go get it. So when you're dealing with health, don't just say, ah, I need you to heal me. That's a great general understanding. But God say, my, my left foot is hurting and I don't know 
what to do about it, God, and I need you to heal it. It's hurting right here. He wants the details because he can heal you from a general prayer, prayer, but he wants to know the details of your life and say, God, I just need peace in my marriage. I need peace in my finances. God, there's, I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with my health or I'm struggling with work. And he says, lay it out for me. Draw me, leave me a detailed note of what it is so I can work in that specific place. Not just I'm healed, but just say, God, it's my back. Not just I need money, God, but I need my house paid. I need my light bill paid. I need whatever paid. Not just, oh, I just need peace in my life. God's saying, what? where do you need peace in your life? Tell me where you need peace in your life. He knows what it is, but he's trying to get you to be involved in that conversation. You want healing, don't just pray for healing. Be detail-oriented about it. Say to God, man, I just want to be free of this. Say, I need peace. God's like, well, what do you need peace in? Is it your household? Is it your marriage? Is it with your kids? Is it in your job? What is it? And it could be all of those. And you can just say, it's every one of these, God. I need peace in every one of these areas. But don't lob up this general feel-good prayer. I mean, we, we tend to get this, like, hot air balloon full of stuff instead of just one single thing and say, okay, I'm just going to load it all up and send it up to God and, you know, it's going to be one big faith-filled lob up to God and it's it's a general cover-all. He's like, pray. You know, it's like when you pray for people, you don't just pray for, and when you're praying for certain people, you don't just be like, oh God, thank you for everybody, blah, blah, blah. No, you're praying for that certain person and you're saying, I am praying this for that certain person. So God's saying, when you pray, pray exactly what you need be persistent be specific be that person that says you know what god my back's hurting it's the right hand right side lower and i need healing of it right now i'll talk to you later john yes we pray general things daily we pray for our families we pray for our kids God wants that intimate relationship with us. So we're like, man, you know, we're just saying, God, man, I got a little twinge right here and it's hurting. Or, man, I just like this, this, that work is going on and I, I just don't know where to go with this situation. I need your, your guidance. I need your wisdom in this situation. And God's like, thank you. Now that you've had that intimate moment with me and had that conversation with me, I can work for you. But we, we want to lob a general truckload of stuff to God and just say, work it all out for me and, and without having to get into the communication part of it. You know, we, you can't communicate with your spouse if you don't communicate with your spouse. You can't communicate with coworkers if you don't actually talk to them. If you just sit at your, your desk and go, they better get what I'm thinking. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I've thought that a few times. I'm like, I better just get what I'm thinking. Um, but it's like, if I don't have communication with Sarah, how am I supposed to share my heart with her? How is she supposed to know what I'm thinking? You guys ever been disconnected from somebody and then it's like, how did we get there? 
we all get that way. We all get disconnected. It's like, I haven't talked to you in a while. And I mean, I, like Sarah and I got busy for like a week and it's like, I asked her, have we even talked this week? Like besides like two minutes before we went to bed? And she's like, no, we didn't. And I'm like, I feel disconnected. So we had to re- take that time to reconnect for our hearts to reconnect, even though I still love her the same, I still feel the same about her, but we were so busy in doing life that was like, hold up, stop. We just got to talk. We just need to communicate. We need to have the intimate communication and be able to say, what's going on? It's like, you know, most of the day it was like, oh, hey, how's your day going? Oh, good, yep, yep, okay, I'd call her on the phone. And it was move on and, you know, because we were both busy. But God says, quit being in that busy mode of just praying and start communicating in prayer. Communication and talking are two different things. I live in a house of three women. There's a lot of talking. Um, but communication is different. I hear a lot of talking all day long when, I, when I'm home. There's a lot of talking. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the two girls running through the house talking. And, and, but there's a difference between communication. Trying to communicate with all three of them at the same time, that's impossible. But I have moments like this morning. I drove to church and Lana's in the car and we're talking. We're having that, 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 um, that intimate conversation of like, you know, she got her new shirt and she's happy. And I'm like, you know, and, and she's talking about that new shirt. And, and it, there's that moment that we're connecting with each other. And she's like, thanks for taking me. And she's, you know, she's excited about what she's gotten. And God's like, I want that moment of a father and a daughter and a father and a son communicating with each other and, and having that intimate moment where you're just saying, thank you so much for what you've given me. Thank you for what you've done for me. And I just enjoy this. You know, I, I, so many times we, we pray and we receive from God, but we forget to, to really thank Him for it. Well, thank you, God. I think he really wants to hear our heart for, of thankfulness when we do receive from him. He wants to hear, man, that just, it showed up at the right time and, and everything was falling apart and you just showed up and you brought that for me and, and it provided what I needed. The healing was there. The peace was there. The joy was there. Whatever it was, God's saying, have that intimate conversation with me and ask for it. But when it shows up, just don't give up a lob of, High five, God. Way to go. Big thumbs up. Have that intimate conversation with him so that when you are thankful for it, he says, man, they are really thankful for it. I know when I have my kids, sometimes like, are you even thankful for that? And sometimes we feel like as parents, are our kids thankful for what we, we provide for them? And then there's other times where our kids come and they just, they think, you know, my kids will hug me and it's like, dad, thank you so much for this. And it's like, they, are, uh, they do see it, they do understand it, and they are thankful for it. And it makes me realize that what I'm doing, they may not say I'm thankful for, that they're thankful for, excuse me, all the time, but those every now and then come up and, and give you a hug or say thank you for that, it makes me realize that they are, they do understand who provides for them and, and who gives them the good things in their life. And it, and it makes me realize that they are actually thankful for it. So God's saying, Give me details. Give me the details of what you're dealing with. And when I, when I, when I show up and when I, I, I take care of you, give me the details of what, what happened. Because he wants that intimate conversation with us and he wants us to share with him. 
You know, I, I think if we spend more time complaining to God about our problem and less time thanking God for what He has taken care of, He looks at it and goes, are you even thankful for it? Are you even thankful for what I've given you? I mean, we live in a great country. You know, we, all, all the political stuff off to the side and whatever's going on, we live in a country that we have the ability to sit here today and talk about God. We have a freedom that a lot of countries don't have. Even people around us don't have the ability to sit and talk about God and to get together and worship God. And I think we need to be thankful to Him for putting us where we are at because we have such an amazing ability to be able to still share the gospel, let alone gather together. He wants to know us intimately and, you, and want to know your needs in detail so he can work for you. Jesus is always making intercession for us. God is always working on our behalf. It's like if I went to my boss and said, hey, I need something for the building. He's going to say, what do you need for the building? Well, I, I need peace for the roof. Well, what piece of the roof? God doesn't want to play 20 questions. He's just saying, tell me the details of what you need and let me get on it for you. I'm going to read this to you, then I'll close. This is Hebrews again. It says, verse 14, it says, So then we must cling to fa- in faith to all we know to be true. For we have a magnificent king priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with our frailty. He understands our humanity, for as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way, just as we are, but he conquered sin. So now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. In our time of weakness... He makes us strong. We go to God with our weakness and say, God, I need this. I'm struggling in this. I'm weak in this. Because most of the time, the things we struggle with are actually our own weaknesses. Peace in our family, peace in our work. A lot of times it's us, God, saying, I need to build in you to be able to get that. So God gives us what we need, but he puts into us because our weakness, he's making us strong. So when we go to God, say, you know what? Hey, first of all, when we talk to him first, we thank him. You know, I, I, I wish our kids could do that more often. You know, it'd, be, it'd make us all feel great. Kids come up to us, mom, dad, thank you for what you did last week and what you did before and what you did this week. You know, the food you put on the table and the shoes you bought me and, you know, all the food you bought me yesterday at KFC and all that stuff. Thank you. Now I need this. But we don't, we don't go to God that way. We just go to God and say, oh, I need this. And God's like, it says in my word, enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. So we go to God and we thank him and then we ask of him. Give him details. He wants to know them because he wants to know your heart so you know his heart. Let's pray.